Well, good morning from uh, the few of us who are here bringing this service to you at uh, Hebron, uh, to you in your homes or, or wherever you are this morning. Uh, we're introducing a, a new subject this morning, a new series. Uh, over the next few weeks, what we plan to do uh, is look at a few standalone subjects under the heading of uh, Christian virtues for a time like this, actually Christian virtues for, for any time, but maybe particularly for a time like this. And this morning, what we're going to be looking at is the subject of, of perseverance or of endurance. Of course, it's a pretty tough time um, as far as the lockdown is concerned uh, with all the kind of feelings of Groundhog Day and weariness and and isolation for for so many of us. And uh, it's good to be reminded from the Scriptures about the importance of just pressing on and uh, keeping on going. And I've chosen these particular readings here from Hebrews uh, chapters 10 through to 12, where you'll probably have noticed that the word endurance or endure uh, comes up round about six times. Uh, And as always, you'll find it helpful to follow through uh, with your Bible open in front of you. So the verse that I want to just concentrate on to start with is from uh, chapter 10, verse 36, where he says to them and to us, but you have need of endurance. Now, there are two things to start with that I I want to talk about. Um, I I want to to say that this statement carries an expectation with it, but there is also uh, a sense of encouragement that is is part of that uh, as well. First of all, this, this sense of expectation. You see, God requires of all Christians, not that we just believe in Christ as a matter of a a one-off decision, but the expectation is that we all persevere to live according to the gospel, regardless of the difficulties and the circumstances of our lives. I mean, that was the case certainly for for these people way back in the first century here, these, these Hebrew Christians. They, they had believed. I mean, it takes them away back in verse 32 to the former days when they were first of all enlightened, when they first of all came to faith in Christ. And, and they had endured at that time. And it had been very difficult for them. And the verses talk about the struggles and the sufferings that they had and how they even joyfully took the plundering of their property And they became partners of those who were badly treated and were imprisoned for their faith. And they endured all of that as part of what it meant to follow Christ and to make that original decision to stand for Christ and have faith in Him. But but these things had never changed. And every day and the months and years that followed, it was, it was a persistent, it was a, a relentless way of life for them. And you can understand that they were faltering a bit. There were doubts that were coming in. And, and many of them were beginning just to waver in the face of all of that. And it's therefore at this stage that he comes in and says to them, you, you still have need of endurance. Uh, Keep pressing on. Keep your hand on the plow and don't be tempted uh, to turn back from the path. 
And what he's doing is, is, I guess, what any message should hopefully attempt to do. And it's to do these two things. It's to, it's to encourage them on the one hand, but it's also to challenge and to just let them be aware of the expectation of Christ and his gospel. And of course, this point is something that Jesus did teach about himself. He made it clear that following him was not just a matter of an initial moment's decision, but it was a lifetime of persistent, persevering, enduring commitment to follow him. So for instance, I'll take you back to the parable that he taught, the parable, the well-known parable of the sower. The farmer scatters the seed and there are different categories of ground representing different responses. And there are some responses where the, 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 the seed seems to take uh, root and it springs up. And yet it springs up quickly and after a very little time it's either choked by the thorns or the sun beats down and the, 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 the earth is so shallow uh, that it just withers up. There is actually only one category where there is a persistent harvest that grows. Not just growing up quickly, but a harvest that eventually comes at the right season, the full harvest. And that's the point that is being made here. To be a genuine member of the kingdom of Christ, to be a true child of God, it will mean that we will persist and we will endure. Jesus develops this in John 15, which we looked at not all that long ago, similar kind of analogy, when he talks about the need for people, just as the, the branch abides in the vine, for us to abide in Christ. And of course, the word abide means to stay, to remain, to endure, to keep on being connected. And so, Paul picks up in this as well in Galatians 5 when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Because Jesus said, without being connected to me, without remaining in me, you will never bring fruit out. And the fruit that is being talked about is things like love and joy and peace and patience, endurance, perseverance, all things that are so necessary living at a time just like this. And so perseverance, along with these other things, it establishes and proves the point in an individual that there is true and genuine faith present in God, in God that God is within the soul, and that produces fruit. Now that means this, that when we talk about you know, these Christian virtues like perseverance, that, that this is much more than just a kind of inspirational pep talk uh, today where we try and just psych each other up and inspire with uh, passages of Scripture and uh, with, 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 with examples and illustrations to do this kind of thing. It's much more than that. There, there is a, a biblical basis that we will, we will work through. Um, Back in 1997, the British Lions toured South Africa. 
and uh, they were coached by two Scotsmen. And uh, the coach of the forwards was a man called Jim Telfer. And uh, there's, there's now a very famous um, recording of, of, of the talk that he gave before uh, the first test. And uh, he, he gets the forwards together and he tells them, you know, this is your Everest. You know, very few people get the chance of having a go at Everest and succeeding. And the people... The, the guys who were there talked about the hair standing up on the back of their neck and how that really fired them up uh, to win the first test and the series uh, in, in South Africa at that time. So many examples of inspirational talks that could be given. This is not just an inspirational talk. We're going to be looking today at what the Scripture says, the biblical basis of the truth. Of, of persevering. This is something that is enormously encouraging, this, this point. This is, this is not meant to be intimidating. This is not meant to feel as, make us feel bad when we, when we think about our lack of endurance. This is meant to be an, an encouragement. Because if we are a Christian and the life of God is in our soul, then that means that we will endure. We might stumble, we might fall, like Peter did, who we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, but eventually we will endure to the end. So that's the first point. The first point is there is an expectation, but there also is encouragement. And, and, and that's now what I want to focus on. Because Christians can only persevere because God perseveres with them. And, and that has to be an encouragement for us all. You'll notice down at verse number uh, 39, he says, you know, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. He says, yes, I'm telling you that you have need of endurance. But, you know, I know that there are better things expected of you. This is not meant to feel, make you feel discouraged because we are not those who shrink back because God is at work in your soul. It's not introducing doubt here at all. So let me try and remind you of some of the great passages of Scripture that just make that point of God's perseverance with his people. And again, you might want to turn to some of these. I'm going to quote to you, first of all, from uh, the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 6. Paul writes to his friends in Philippi, and he says, He who began a good work in you will carry that on to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You'll remember that's where Paul was imprisoned. It was the very first place the gospel came to in Europe. Um, and now here is Paul after having traveled on and he's in prison again as he writes to them. Uh, but he writes with this real sense of assurance back to these people who have been left there almost, you would think, on their own to try and survive in the face of persecution. And he says, listen, God began that work. I was there at the time. I was instrumental in that. I was part of it all. I remember your faces. I remember down beside the river and Lydia and the prayer meeting with the, the, the women, all that happened in the prison. You know, and God began a work in your heart. 
and he hasn't let his hand off you. And the one who began that work will carry that all the way through to completion. And completion is at the day of Christ. When Christ returns or we're taken to glory and we're conformed to the image of his son. That is completion. And God commits himself to work and persevere and endure with you all the way through. Again, John chapter 17, part of the great prayer of Christ on the, on the night before, the night of his betrayal. And as he prays to God for his disciples, and uh, he talks to his Father about those that you have given me, and the fact that not one of them has been lost, except Judas, the son of perdition. Not one lost, despite everything that was going to happen, not one of them will be lost. And he prays to God that in one, one day that they will see my glory, the glory that I had with you before the world was. And the prayer of Christ endures for those of us who have believed as well that not one of us will be lost either. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. And they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will be able to pluck them out of my hand. A couple of years ago, um, I, I sat um, beside a hospital bed, beside a friend of mine uh, who was terminally ill, and he said to me, read these words from John chapter 10 to me. Read them to me again. And they shall never perish. And no one will be able to pluck them out of my hand. What a tremendous sense of the commitment of Christ to persevere and hold us all the way through. And what about 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. Peter, you know, blundering, blustering Peter who failed so often, talks about that inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and that will never fade away, that is kept in heaven for you, you who are being kept through the power of God, through faith unto salvation. That's kept for us and we are kept for it. And he will keep us, as the old hymn says, he will keep us till the river rolls its waters at our feet. Then he'll bear me safely over where our loved ones we will meet. I'll sing of my Redeemer. He will keep us. That's what Jude says in his doxology, Jude 24. Unto him who is able to keep us from falling. And to present us faultless before the presence of God's glory with exceeding great joy. He will persevere with us. He will keep us to the end. And what a firm foundation that gives to our souls. Talking about firm foundations, you remember one of the verses of that hymn puts it like this. That the soul that has leaned on Jesus for repose, the soul that has leaned on him for repose, he will not, he cannot desert. 
to its foes. That soul, though all hell, should endeavor to shake, he'll never, no never, no never forsake. As Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 puts it, that he is both the initiator, the founder, as well as being the perfecter or the finisher of our faith. So all the way through, from start to end, He is there as the initiator and the perfecter of our faith, and He commits Himself to persevere with us, to endure with us, and bring us all the way through to eternal glory. What a tremendous encouragement that we can persevere because He perseveres with us. So after that encouragement, what I'd like to do is to challenge ourselves to to be specific in what it might mean for us in our circumstances to persevere for Christ. I have a friend who uh, says that sometimes what he does in, in messages is he stops at this point and rather than making the application himself, He'll give people 30 seconds or so to just make that application as far as their own life is concerned. What might it mean for me in my life and in my circumstances, you know, with my anxieties and my worries and my doubts to, to, to have need of endurance and to persevere for Christ in the reading of, of Scripture, persevering in prayer, Commitment to the people that are around me and commitment to the, the people of God. So many things. To stay at my post, you know, where God has put me and to continue to be faithful in that and just to press on and not to give up in these circumstances. And of course, Hebrews chapter 11 gives us example after specific example of people in their own time and in their own circumstances who did exactly that. And and we read specifically from verse 23 of one of them and just one particular aspect of his race, of his life, Moses. And if you look in particular um, at verse number 27 where the word is used about him and says that he endured as seeing him who is invisible... Just to remind you about what part of Moses' life this is talking about. So it comes between him leaving Egypt, verse 27, and going back again, verse 28, to keep the Passover. So what happened in that period of time? Well, that's a period of 40 years, actually. It's a period of 40 years where Moses has to run, And spends the whole time in the desert. In fact, it says, in the furthest side of the desert, looking after the sheep of his father-in-law, Jethro, day after day, year after year. And what did he see during that period of time? Did he just see the sand and the sheep and the scrub bushes and the horizon and the routine of life? with all its monotony and its isolation in that part of the world day after day. He saw these things, but he also saw, what a paradox, 
the one who is invisible. He saw God. And despite his feelings of failure about what he had done, his, uh, his presumptuousness, his recklessness, his pride even, thinking that everyone would understand and recognize that he was going to be their deliverer, and his feeling that he had completely blown that, and 40 years had passed and nothing was happening, nothing was going to happen, he continued to endure and persevere because he saw God. And he learned to live by faith and not by sight. Of course, he's only one of the the many examples who are described for us in chapter 12, verse 1, as being a great cloud of witnesses. All of these individuals. And what they're witness to is that living by faith and not by sight and persevering in the faith is the way to live. They attest to that. They say that. And it comes to us. In their race, in their time, they're saying, well, look, there's a, there's a race now that is marked out for us. It's our turn to run our race. And we also are to run that race with endurance. And we are to do that Yes, looking at them and listening to them. But above all of that, to look at the greatest example of endurance and perseverance of all. And that is Christ himself. Let us run with endurance. Chapter 12, verse 1. The race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. The greatest of all examples, enduring the cross, Enduring such hostility, the shame of the cross that the Son of the Highest had to experience. The enduring of becoming the sacrifice for sin so that we could experience forgiveness and be right with God. Everything that was thrown at Christ He endured that and he persevered knowing what was involved. He pressed on and never turned back and he stayed with it and he's now set down at the right hand of the majesty on high because it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured all of that. And so as we look to Christ this morning, I mean the point that he's making is this. In verse 4, I know you've got a struggle. I know things are difficult. But in your struggle, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. I mean, the point he's making is this, but he did. He did resist. And he did endure right up to the point of shedding his blood. So look to him. And that's, that is a very practical, that's not just a theoretical point. It is, as it says here, to consider him. To consider Christ, who he is. 
what he did, where he is, what he says, what he will still do. Consider Christ, and in considering him and seeing the invisible Christ, whom, although we haven't seen, we love. Although we haven't seen, we believe in. And we continue to follow him by faith. In considering him, we will not grow weary or faint-hearted or discouraged. There's a, there's a race that has been marked out for all of us. A different race. The circumstances vary from each and that in that race, we're expected to live it with perseverance. Every day, as we waken up, irrespective of the circumstances of our life, it may well be that there are worries in our family, worries about health, about our children, about how they're getting on with the Lord, worries about finances, about jobs, difficulties in a marriage, so many things that constitute the race that has been marked out for you. But what we're told to do is, with endurance, every day, fix our eyes on Christ, saying, I've been set at this post. This is where I've been placed. It's part of my race. And I've got to endure, looking to Him and His example and looking to Him and understanding His commitment to me and His goodness and His faithfulness and His promises, knowing that His life is within me with the promise that I will endure. Perseverance. Perseverance for such a time as this, for any time. These are difficult times for all of us. And many of us are weary and perhaps discouraged. But let's take away this morning these tremendous truths that God will never give up on you. He will persevere with you so that you can persevere in your life of faith. Perseverance is an expectation. But what a wonderful encouragement that God perseveres with us. Now shall we pray. Lord, thank you for the encouragement of this passage of Scripture, the encouragement of your promises, of the example of Christ, of his life within us, and yet the challenge of the expectation that we have need of endurance. And so we pray for one another today and ask that whatever the circumstances of our own lives might be, the difficulties that we might be going through, that we might receive grace as we look to Christ and we consider him to endure for his name's sake. As we ask in Jesus' name, amen.